Hello and welcome to Watkins Wise Words, a podcast that celebrates conscious, passionate, wise and happy living. Thank you for tuning in. And here is your host. I'm speaking today with Kingsley L. Dennis, PhD, a poet, novelist, researcher, publisher, editor and essayist. Kingsley's books include After the Car, Breaking the Spell, The Struggle for Your Mind, New Revolutions for a Small Planet, The Phoenix Generation, and Meeting Monroe. His books have been translated into many languages, including Spanish, Portuguese, and Hungarian. His latest novel, The Foundation, is coming out in March. Originally from the UK, Kingsley now resides in southern Spain. You can visit him online at kingsleydennis.com. Good afternoon, Kingsley. How are you today? Good afternoon or good morning to you, John. I'm very well, thank you. I wanted to talk to you today about something that really stood out to me when I was reading your first book with Watkins Publishing, New Revolutions for a Small Planet. In that book, you're incredibly hopeful about the future. At the same time, you're not a Pollyanna. You know, you're not some. You're not a, a person who has put his head into the ground like an ostrich. The world is not sparkly in its entirety. You really look at the the dark night of the soul that we're going through. You recognize that that there's a massive sh- cultural shift going on, and yet you come out of that deep analysis with hope about our human future. And I and I wanted to. Here's some reflection from you on on your hopefulness. Well, thank you, John. Uh, in fact, very few people actually pick up on on that theme specifically, which I think is 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 quite crucial. Um, maybe because everyone's attention is more uh, focused on what we see, uh, say that as you say, the disruptions in the world around us. Um, in in the book you mentioned, new revolutions for a small planet. Uh, the analogy I made was like the hero's journey in that we have to go through the the dark underworld, the passage of maturity and of, um, you know, the kind of self-initiation before we can get through to the light or, or pass through. And um, and as I stated, I, the sense is that we are going through a global uh, initiatory period now or dark night of the soul towards that end. And so, yes, you're right, I have, I do focus on some of the, the, the uh, let's say, the micro-issues in the world. Because of my background in sociology, I, I look at the systems and how the systems operate. So when you have the financial systems, educational systems, um, the, the systems of the civil society, and when you see these uh, in their disruptions or in their uh, dysfunction, then obviously you have that, uh, you have the result of seeing a very kind of dark picture. Um, but at the same, the same time, like if you went to a museum to, to look at a picture and you stood like one inch from a canvas, you would see uh, probably the, the square inch in front of you. You wouldn't see the whole picture. By standing back, you get more of a pattern. And that's what I tend to look at is the bigger picture by seeing the, the pattern at a, at a larger time scale. Again, maybe because of my sociological background, seeing uh, civilization and social cycles in the longer term and what i think we're going through is a necessary disruption to to rearrange a lot of the order and a lot of the uh, the values in the world and 
I actually think the time we're going through now will be looked back on by our descendants as being as important as a time when we moved from a flat earth to a round earth. And that didn't happen overnight either. And what is crucial to these, we can call them revolutionary moments. I don't always mean revolutionary in terms of, of a, a kind of bloody revolution. The revolution in the way we change our perception and our perspectives. And that's what we need to change first. Unless we can have a revolution in the way we perceive the world and the way we see ourselves in the world, and then we will never permanently have uh, a change of systems for the better. And so that hope comes from seeing that we are going through the um, disruptions on the ground that are playing out as a response to changing human needs, human perceptions, and a different kind of global order coming into play around the world and uh, awakening civil society. So it's all part of the mix in order to go through a rearrangement, John. So what I hear you saying is, is there's a psychology to the shift that we need to, that's, that's actually the focus. And I'm, I'm reminded of something a uh, um, mentor said to me years ago when I was a young man. She said, watch how much news you take in. Be conscious of the negativity that's around you. And I wonder if that's a practical step that we should, it's kind of a dual-edged sword. On the one hand, I think, you know, we don't want to neglect our responsibilities as, as citizens and have an understanding of where the, the world is going politically. But on the other hand, you know, how much of this is is a struggle for our minds, like you talk about in that book of yours, where, you know, the powers that be would really love for us to be nothing more than fearful. Yes, John, it, it is a kind of battle for your mind, as you say. And in the past, it's always been much easier to manipulate or socially engineer human consensus because there's been very limited information flows. And those information flows have usually been one way. The masses listen to what's being told to them through the, the, the authoritative channels and mostly are obedient or respond to what they're being told. Now, we're in a very different situation and mainly because of these, the rise of these global communications where we've gone, we're now moving into or have already moved into a kind of multiple information flow world where a lot of people are no longer consumers, they're prosumers, they're producing their own information and they're sharing it. And so we are, a lot of people now are distrusting the, the, the major authoritative channels. And you're right about having, where do we put our attention? Because uh, there is a lot of fear as generally comes down from the major media channels. The response to that is we want security. And security has been a, a major meme for garnering in response consensus behavior. You know, the, the multitude give their consensus and behave according to the authority because in return they get security. But if you bypass that, that kind of rhetoric, there's a lot of information behind the major channels coming out through the internet and other sources, which is showing quite a different picture or a different take. And we should be aware of that, but also understand that a lot of negativity can pull us down with it. And an, an analogy which I've used before is that if you're on the beach and you see someone drowning, the immediate response is to rush out there and, and save them. And the Coast Guards actually say, well, beware of that because 
a drowning person can actually be the most dangerous position because when you go to save them, they just cling on to you and pull them down with them in their desperation. And so there's a lot of systems, a lot of energy, a lot of institutions which I think are in their death throes, their drowning moment. And so through their desperation, they are making a lot of noise. They are shouting out. And for those who go towards them and reach out to them, they will probably wish to take you down with them. So you need a distance. You need to observe what's going on in the world, be aware of the patterns, the disruptions, but have a, a kind of sense of objectivity and a sense of self and use a lot of your intuition, your common sense, and don't believe anything. If someone tells you something, find out other viewpoints on that and other information. So we do need to make the best of the multiple information channels that are available, John. It seems to me that a lot of this material that prosumers are creating for YouTube and Twitter and, and all the social channels are taking its cues from the satirists. It's not like the messaging that's coming through is hopeful from the prosumer culture. It's actually quite negative. It's a real hopelessness to it. You know, it's like the band on the Titanic. You know, we're going we're gonna to make merry while the ship is going down. We all know the ship is going down. So there is a creativity, this explosion of creativity, which is wonderful. I love satire as much as the next person, but, you know, there's not that hopefulness. And I'm wondering if you can comment on that. Is this just sort of like early stages of this shift or how do you sort of read it? Well, I think um, the kind of floodgates are open with the social media, John, especially in the, in the last couple of years when more and more people are realizing it's so easy to get out there and, and communicate, that there is a just whole kind of plethora of voices out there. So it's not all the creative positive side. And this is one of the what you have to expect with the early days of technology is that we're all kind of playing fields open and people are, are kind of experimenting and they're all getting on board and they all want to kind of have their say. So I think one has to use the discretion and, you know, it depends which tune, you know, you dance to, you know, to refer to the Titanic band. There is a lot of irony and, and, and the kind of negative take on it, as you say. But also there's an incredible amount of, of uh, positive creativity, which also coming from young people and people who are just getting on and connecting and doing their projects. So it's all out there, John. And, you know, if you come across something and you say, well, this for me is, you know, a bit too heavy handed or a bit too negative or, you know, it's not it's not what I'm seeing. Well, you can take it or leave it. And I think it's up to us to do our homework and make our choices because everything is out there now. And, you know, we can say in some areas like technology and, and the social media, there's so much up for grabs. Uh, but if you're asking me in the long term, I still say that that hope is there because this kind of shuffling around and having voices and finding positions is an indication that there is incredible change in the mix already. And people are trying to find their positions. Um, it's like you know, the old game musical chairs. While the music's playing, everyone's walking around, walking around and, and, you know, doing all types of kind of movement. When the music stops, you find your chair. And for many people, the music hasn't stopped yet, which means that they haven't found a perspective that they adhere to. They don't have a, an internal certainty. So the music's still playing and they're still walking around. But there are other people which I come across and I see that they have a conviction. They have a positivity and a hope. 
And so they've stopped the malarkey. You know, I think really what you're referring to is that you're referring to the ballpark where everyone's trying to play at the moment and they don't have yet a conviction. I like that a lot. And I feel, I mean, a lot of people I talk to are hesitant to get onto social media because they feel like they need to have a chair. And I like this image a lot. And I think a lot of the chairs that people are broadcasting from are imitative. If I can sound like a comedian, if I can sound like someone who already has an audience, then I can get an audience. So yeah, I think that's right. I like that a lot. Yeah. And I think also one aspect is that um, because everything is in movement, in shift, and a lot of people have based their sense of security and sense of self on external structures or structures that were more secure for them, there's a sense that there's a loss of meaning in the world. And that has reverberated internally with a lot of people. And when you have that internal question, you know, what is meaning for me? Where am I going in the world? What's my point? The response to that is to make a lot of noise. As you say, imitate. Um, try to find maybe recognition from peers. Get people listen to your YouTube channels. Get, you know, get votes, get fans, make you feel good. And so I think this sense of trying to find oneself is also behind the the plethora of voices on the social media trying to be comfortable and find comfort with themselves. And so that's part of what I think that's an underlying, underlying but rather fundamental stream which is happening in the world today is is the need for us to find our sense of meaning whilst all this is going on. And that circles back to where we started this conversation, which was the shift must needs be an internal one. And it seems that the we're being led, if I can put it that way, is into a deeper sense of self. Is that right? I mean, how, how do you sort of articulate that? I would totally agree, John. And, and like I said, in the book New Evolutions, it's like the hero's journey and all the doubt and uncertainty is part of that, that underworld passage until you reach the end of the journey and you are a transformed, a transmuted person. So what we're going through really is a process that is reflecting back to ourselves that we need to have our own transformation through this shift. If not, we will increasingly feel the instability. And so... Um, you know, part of finding new priorities for us as this world is going so fluid. And uh, that is our task. That's our, our homework is now we're being called back to ourselves. And you can't put responsibility externally to yourself. You have cut off the umbilical cord to that obedience to authority that Stanley Milgram experimented with. I think this is part of the underlying, as I said, the underlying kind of chaotic energy that's moving around at the moment is that finding that chair, finding that sense of self. And that is what no one else can do for you. You know, you, your, your parents gave you a bike to ride, but they didn't ride it for you. Uh, only we can ride our own bike, John. Do you have any advice on how to navigate that uncomfortableness? I feel uncomfortable in this space. And I, and I know many people that I speak with feel uncomfortable. How do you what categories do you sort of move into as you are moving around the circle hoping for that chair? To be honest with you, John, that's really the hardest element of all is to give advice. And because I think there's, you know, you go onto Facebook and other social media and there's advice all over the place. And advice is in some way becoming more like a, a kind of, you know, 
whatever, a, a quick citation uh, being blasted out. And people have to find what works for them because th- there's each answer for that question will be individual for each person. So I think the most important is rather than saying advice practically, like you have to do this and do that or do this every day, um, the advice should be first you have to realize you need to ask yourself the question. Because by beginning to ask the question to yourself, that starts to trigger a sense of kind of realization within yourself, which triggers answers that can come to you instinctively. So the first thing I would say is a person must really understand where they are and really want to go with that change and to ask themselves those questions and to start looking for what makes sense to them. You may not find it straight away. You mentioned meditation or other practices, maybe spiritual practices to calm the mind or yoga, doing some reading around. All these things can help, but you have to try them and see what resonates with you. As they say, uh, you don't realize you're in the prison if you don't see the bars. So that's the first thing is, is to recognize that perspective within oneself and to really want to make it happen And then the answers will start to be triggered. I like that a lot. I've been thinking about this phrase from software development. We should think of ourselves as in beta mode and it's trial and error. You know, we don't know the code that's going to produce the software until we start writing it. And it may take a thousand attempts at producing that code before we get into a groove and we start to see take shape what we envisioned when we started. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to know how things are going to unfold. Now, we like to, or we've been led to believe that we have things are linear, you know, cause and effect. You do this and this will occur. But really, it's not always like that. And we think we know what we want, but we don't know what we really need. That's often the case. And there's so many instances of people saying, well, you know, this happened to me. I lost my job or partner or house and it was worse than it happened at the time. But in fact, it became one of the best catalysts for them for their own development. So we don't know what we need. We are in, as you say, in beta mode. We are experimenting. The thing is, we we should not be so quick to judge an event when it happens. And we should really take everything that happens to us as an opportunity to learn from, whether it's beneficial at the time or not, because that state of mind of being able to learn from every step is really the, the thing that's going to help us. Well, thank you so much, Kingsley. This has been really interesting. I appreciate your time. Again, I recommend that people visit kingsleydennis.com for more information about Kingsley, his writing, and the other projects that he's working on and the things that he recommends. Like what you've heard? Be part of our community by visiting watkinspublishing.com, following us on Twitter at Watkins Wisdom, or liking us on Facebook.